0: I don't think we, we're at the beginning, we're at the kind of the cusp of understanding that, that God is a nation builder, number one. Mm. Number two, there are nations that are represented on the globe, but as the ecclesia, or those who are coming out of the church system into the ecclesia, I don't think there's a lot of us who are l- looking at nations, just nations in the world, and saying, how did this nation get started?
1: Hello, and welcome to Unlock the Kingdom Within You. This podcast explores the profound truth about what it means to be born into the kingdom, not a religion. On this podcast, we challenge the religious and denominational norms which shackle us from expressing the liberty of Christ by exploring the kingdom, the ecclesia and citizenship. If you're born into the kingdom but lost in religion, then this channel is just for you. So thank you for listening and don't forget to subscribe. Yeah, I think, uh, so what I wanted to ask the both of you then, When we're thinking about communities of the future, what core ingredients in light of what we've some of the things that have been said, what are the core ingredients that we think must be uh, written into those communities of the future in order for them to think, uh, speak and behave in such a way that is within the context of a nation rather than within the context of a denomination. So what, what core ingredients do you think we would need to sow in order to produce the kind of communities that are not no longer limited by the caricatures of religion and denominationalism? What, is that, what are the, the things that we think that needs to be really embedded? And I mean, I got to, I got baked to in. Yeah.
0: yeah, go ahead.
1: Sorry, I have a note, go ahead.
0: Oh, okay, uh, I got to thinking about like how do how are nations built? What systems help nations grow? What systems help nations sustain that growth and continue to grow? I don't think I don't think we we're at the beginning. We're at the kind of the cusp of understanding that that God is a nation builder. Number mm-hmm. one. Number two. There are nations that are represented on the globe, but as the ecclesia or those who are coming out of the church system into the ecclesia, I don't think there's a lot of us who are looking at nations, just nations in the world and saying, how did this nation get started? What were the levers that were in place to help the nation develop its economy, its infrastructure, its operating system? and who influences and who has the power to make those decisions so that all those systems are working and humming along to help Mm. grow that nation i don't think i think we're at the beginning stages of that as Mm. the ecclesia and until we take the time it's it's going to come by two ways one is through revelation god's going to give us an understanding of what the ecclesia is and its function within the growing the kingdom And then secondly, he's going to take us into the nations and show us how nations operate and say, here's the kingdom principle behind this particular part of this nation Mm. as it grows. Mm. Here's the kingdom principles behind the economic system that helps this nation grow. And then take that and le- and say, okay, God has given us enough revelation to say this is how the kingdom, this is how His kingdom grows. I think your example, Fred, in the UK and London, and what you guys have developed as civic spaces, is a good example of some early findings and some early learnings about how you're growing the kingdom in that region, right? You've got the mm-hmm. Civitas, mm-hmm. Civic Center, the the Enterprise Hub, and and uh, what's the other one? The so Academy. And the academy academy, right? So educational aspects that helps kingdom citizens learn what systems are part of the kingdom. And you've got, you know, I I could go on and on around that. But that's my example. So learning how kingdoms function, learning how they get established. And the reason that this Mm -hmm. is important is because of what Jesus says about discipling the nations. Again, discipling the nations, not discipling individuals one-to-one. That will happen. But the main intent is discipling the nations. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. That's a different. That's a different. Yeah, we're
1: going to we're
2: gonna get onto that. We're going to get onto that. Yeah, we'll get there. But, but it's really interesting there. how that
0: fits. Yeah.
2: When when you talk about building, building nations, I think a good example is uh, Israel coming out of Egypt after four hundred years and watching that process. I've often used this (coughs) analogy of saying someone, if you are an 18-year-old and you're in that first group that came out of Egypt after 400 years, uh, and you're now out in the wilderness, uh, and you're faced with now Pharaoh and his army coming up on the rear, and you have mountains on either side of you, uh, your whole thought process of survival Is based on what had been ingrained in you by the slave mentality that you were raised in, because you had been a slave up until a few days before that. Your mom and dad had been a slave. Your grandparents had been slaves. Everybody you knew were slaves. So one of the uh, we're talking about leaving church. That's what the name of my book. That's my shameless plug, I guess. Uh, uh, Leaving. That's becoming, moving into the ecclesia that the Lord said He would uh, would build. But in that process, we have to recognize that people who are coming out of a system are now uh, having to go through the process that Israel had to go through, where it took ten plagues, and you've heard this used before, ten plagues to get Israel out of Egypt, but took 40 years to get uh, Egypt out of Israel. You know, because they still carried with them the mindset. That's why it was so easy for them when there was a problem, say, hey, let's go back. Because we knew what to expect in bondage. We knew what to expect as a slave. We knew what to expect uh, on a day that we we might not have had our freedom, but we had some expectations. And that is the first thing that has to happen. There has to be this uh, detoxing, if you will, of a system to help people to understand really what they're into. It has to be a reteaching of how resources are used. They were told to take all of the uh, goods from the Egyptians when they left, and they had all of this wealth in their hands, but nowhere to spend it out there in in, in the wilderness. And the first time Moses goes away for a little bit, they take it and they make a golden calf. And I've often said, whenever you lose sight of your purpose, then you make your provision your God. And so there has to be this uh, shifting now in mindset. So in nation building, I think there's a process, uh, Mm -hmm. a a clear process that's going to have to take people who are coming out of church, the church system. They have to go through this detoxification of, you know, comparing everything they do going forward to what they used to do. Uh, in the church, they have to understand uh, that how the wealth that has been used to support systems is now going to build nations and for the commonwealth of the body uh, of the of the of the nation. When they start rethinking this, this is going to create some of the, the changes, but also become a, become the a foundation for good nation building among. Uh, believers.
1: To respond to that, Tim, I think I absolutely agree that there is a transition necessary for people to migrate. I think the key thing for me is in order for us to, we've got to see the end from the beginning. I think that's the key thing here. And seeing the end from the beginning is having a a sense of, or not an entirely clear picture, but at least a sense of what the future is like and what ingredients do we need to sow now towards that future? So scripture says, one man sows, one man waters, but God is the one who gives the increase. So I guess the question I'm saying is, when it comes to communities of the future, what would we need to sow now that would give us an expected end that's connected to that fu- that, that quality of those that future community? Now, you said something important. You talked about a young man leaving Egypt, for example. And you know that that young man would have spent 40 years in the wilderness. <laughs> OK. Right. Um, so in effect, he he would have spent 40 years within a context where there was supposed to be a, a shift that migrated them from slavery to citizenship. That were a shift that would have moved them into into nationhood. But the 40 years was a reflection of a delay in the process Because they were throwing off certain things. And, you know, I've talked about authority, law and government being the primary things that they're throwing off, which delays the process. However, even within that, I could say, for example, well, certainly authority, law and government is the one thing that we need to sow now in order to get the outcome of of the type of communities we see in the future, which is a communi- communities liberated from denominationalism, communities liberated from the caricatures of religion, communities that are liberated from the confines of working in silos um, and, and not having the, the cultural freedom to, to go from one community to another, communities that are freed from tribalism, Hmm. which is certainly as a result of the conditioning of the of the current the current systems. Is there anything else that you think that can be sown that will reap the full liberty of Christ that we may not see entirely in our generation, but we certainly will see in the next generation because of what we sown and maybe what others have watered.
0: I have two Ivan. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have have two things. One is is the practical functionality of the fivefold gifted uh, leaders. In other words, um, as fivefold ministers, uh, the idea that they're serving from under the ecclesia and they're serving the ecclesia and not walking around with their Cards and their and their uh, followers and their fans and it's not about it's not about that. So if we can model what it looks like to uh, live out the fivefold ministry gifts and make them functional, it's not about our names, it's not about our titles, it's about just functioning in that which God has called us to, and mm-hmm. the people. That they'll have an expectation that the fivefold, how the fivefold ministry gifts will function within the body of Christ within the ecclesia. Number one, number two, those that are called leaders, elders, uh, you know, both both Tim, you've covered this presbyters and bishops versus elders, it's all the same word, right? So, the, how the elders function within a particular ecclesia and how they there's the plurality of elders, if we can get that clearly manifest and operating functionally, then the idea that. One person has to carry the load will be toppled. That people need to look for, look to the one set man or the one set <clears throat> among equals. Like that idea. If eldership is correctly rolled out, then all these all the other like if the human relationship element is really clearly articulated, whether you're fivefold or elder, then all the other structure of the ecclesia will be built correctly. Mm. Mm. So. Yeah. The law, government—I mean, all of those are all great. But who's teaching it? How are they teaching it? Are they tying themselves to the the ultimate authority of who defines what authority is and what law mm. is, what government mm. is, or is it Jesus the ultimate authority? And we humbly let Him teach us what it is—is is His law, is His authority, is His government—and whoever teaches that fivefold or elders, we do it with humility and we defer to Jesus all the time. This is his, you know, this is his interpretation. And we're open to be questioned. And we're open Mm. to be challenged. It's not about us having the authority of definition. It's Jesus having the the authority of definition.
2: Mm. I think when you sow, anytime you sow, you sow with expectation. You sow, uh, if you plant a garden and you want tomatoes, you don't look for corn seed. You look for the proper seed for the outcome you're looking for that's number one number two when you plant that seed it requires certain care you don't care for turnip greens the same way you do for okra. there's some similarities but you still have to do this you have to you treat how you're going to grow asparagus is different from the way you're going to do your tomato mm. uh, and so you have to understand that and then the uh the key thing that comes to me right now is that when you talk about authority law and government and all of those components uh there are those who have to have a clear picture of that outcome what that looks like in a nation or in a, even in a loc- locale whatever it needs to be a clear picture so that the seeds that are planted uh will actually move towards that particular outcome otherwise you could you could teach about uh Authority, law, and and, and, and government—you can teach about that all day long, but it'd be like sitting down reading a book about tomatoes, but nobody ever having the opportunity to eat them. You know, uh, you really have to to build in the, the the process, the the ability to actually consume this thing at all of its levels. Some people will get it at its when it's already fully uh, blown, where others. Mm-hmm will come into it in its early stage while you're still cultivating it, but they'll get it there, you know? And so I think it's important that we have a clear picture of the outcome in every segment. And I believe this is where God raises up such a uniqueness in the body that some individuals have a picture of this area. I I look at our our collaborative team. Uh, Each of us have certain things that are just very clear to us, you know, and we're able to Uh, really articulate that area. So the seed that is planted toward what that person is seeing has to be uh, uh, commensurate with what is going to be the outcome when that thing becomes ready to harvest. Uh, And the rest of us need to recognize that, okay, this is what is being grown, this is what's happening, let's partake and help this thing become mature, if you will, Mm -hmm. uh, in the nation. you know, and I, I think that's, that's going to be a critical component going forward. Uh, yeah. I, I hope I'm making sense when I say that. Okay.
0: Yeah, Yeah. yeah I, you, you know, know I, I think of the harvest and I think of the harvest being plentiful and Jesus saying few laborers. Right. But when a laborer gets re- when you start to recognize who a laborer is, that laborer needs to be trained on what seed has been planted. What are the expectations in terms of how often it's watered? Um, when does how long does it take to mature to harvest and it could be a field that's maybe has six different <clears throat> crops in it and each laborer needs to understand their call to a particular crop, a particular part of the field, the terrain of that field, how that seed is harvest. I mean, there's all kinds of realities that uh, is in the in the farming and the planting and the harvesting of, of any kind of seed. And I think we've simplified it so much that we don't understand the complexity of it, and the pattern that Jesus has given us to be able to effectively deploy laborers into the harvest field. I think right now what we have is kind of this one-size-one-model-fits-all when it comes to discipling or planting planting churches or making making disciples. That it's just created an ineffective, inefficient system for. Harvesting people into the church and building churches, which doesn't represent what the kingdom structure for harvesting, planting and and uh, growing the kingdom seed um, is supposed to look like. So okay. it's, it's renewing. It's renewing our mind. What does it mean to now be a, a laborer in the harvest field of the to, to draw people into the kingdom? It's a different it's a different discipleship process.
2: You mm. opened up something there with that, Ivan. That I think is interesting. Uh, we talked about being very definitive with the seed, knowing what it's supposed to uh, come when it brings forth at the time of harvest. But you also start mentioning about the laborers, defining the laborers, and I'm wondering if that's a area where we uh, an area where we have somewhat been deficient uh, when it comes to laborers, because again, that one size fit all mentality. Uh, sometimes creates an issue. Uh, As you know, I do some things with with houses and and, and I have different workers that I hire to do certain jobs. And I found out one day that there is a major difference between a finished carpenter and a rough carpenter. And, you know, when I had some things done and I needed some molding put in, Mm -hmm. I, of course, I called in the guy who I was used to was a rough carpenter. And believe you me, the finishing was rough. You know, I mean not because, rough,
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> right. Because he did not understand uh, how to do that or even had the skill set to do that. Now when it came to the rough end of it and getting things structurally sound, hey, he had it, knew it and, and did it could do it blindfolded. The yeah. point is now that I'm saying is that as we talk about the harvest and we start planting towards something uh scripture says one water another uh, one plants another waters i think we might have not spent enough time helping people to become comfortable in their role as either a planter or a water Uh, when the when the tabernacle was being built there were specific people with specific roles Mm -hmm. and they had to do what they did and then they got out of the way for the next group And I think sometimes what we have done, we've said, everybody, let's come on, we're gonna make this happen. And you get people who have no desire, heart, or ability to do certain things, and it creates more of a problem than it does a solution.
1: Yeah. So so in order to summarize this, because I think it's been a really interesting conversation, I'm gonna ask you to give me one characteristic that you hope to see in the future, in the communities of our future, also, or in future communities, one characteristic that you hope to see: ongoing influence, ongoing kingdom influence. I'll put it that way. Okay, so is that a kingdom influence beyond the scope of that of those communities, basically?
2: Yeah, uh, being able to uh, by lifestyle and by example make a clear line of demarcation between what is of the world and what is of the kingdom of God. I think sometimes we want to go in and force people to go a certain path when I think the influence that a a, a kingdom community would have in an area would uh, be one of such that people would take a look back and know that their decisions, you know, were not in alignment with the things of the of the kingdom okay i'd
0: I'd say curiosity if we have an environment of curiosity that's outside of four walls but in the world when we take people for walkabouts what australians would uh, would call walkabouts and we are going out there to show people where god is already active and interested with the idea of getting them excited about their gifts and their skill and their their education to be applied in that context. I think curiosity with the idea of providing walkabouts in your city, in your village, in your neighborhood, in your community.
1: Great. So another question that we have, which we're gonna be covering, I mean, there's loads of questions we're looking to cover at the event. Um, But one of the other questions we're looking at is, how does an understanding of the ecclesia shape our communities? So I know, you know, obviously one of the key understandings of the ecclesia in our context of what we're doing is the simplicity of recognizing it is an assembly of citizens. Mm. That, That has a profound impact on the way that we not just gather, but the way we assemble. Um, because within that there's a, del- a sense of deliberateness in the way that we, as- because it's an, about an assembly, there means there's a deliberateness within there. There is a sense of purpose. Um, there is a, a rec- There's an accord with recognizing that the will of the king needs to be made manifest. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are, there are uh, both principles and methods and mechanisms that have to be put in place for that assembly to work. Yeah. So my question to you, because just from your side of things, what do you think, and understanding of the Ecclesia, how do you think it shapes communities? Um, and in what way maybe there's things that you're doing on the ground that affords for that to happen?
0: Two things come to mind. Uh, one is a question that was on the Global Kingdom Conversation. Uh, they, they asked the question, what's the difference between the kingdom of God and the Ecclesia? Are they different or do they Does one serve the Mm -hmm. other? And so the clarity of that answer is would be very, very helpful to understanding what what the ecclesia, number one. Number two is you and I had a conversation, Fred, about being the ecclesia, not so much about trying to define what the ecclesia so that people can walk around and say, oh, there's the ecclesia over there, or Mm. oh, it's Mm. over here. It's about being the ecclesia. So as we as we uncover unpack what it means to be the ecclesia, that I am part of the ecclesia, you are part of the ecclesia, Tim, you're part of the ecclesia, <laughs> Um, That it's about uh, coming to a place of being the ecclesia, and from that being, we function in the in the uh, establishment of the kingdom of God. So it doesn't become a stumbling block. It's like it's like when Jesus used the word ecclesia during the during that conversation with the disciples that. As we've said over and over again, the disciples already understood what the Ecclesia uh, was because it's been being has had been used in historical times all the way through their time. So they knew right away what the Ecclesia was mm. and they knew that Jesus was intentionally using that word to define what his Ecclesia, that what is his right. Ecclesia that he was building. Right. So I think we need to get to a place where Ecclesia is just a, a word that's completely understood uh, and it's just innate to expressing role in the government of Jesus, who's our king.
2: Yeah, I I try and bring things to the most simplest uh, definition that I can. And each time I do that, I realize that, again, it has more tentacles that can be added to it. But when I use the term ecclesia, it is a called out body of believers who are given to legislate uh, the, the will of the king and his kingdom on the earth and uh and understanding that as a lifestyle as a as as a as a way to live out your life uh it has to become ingrained it has to become second nature in the in the body of believers uh and then again that will drive what happens when they gather um uh they they will drive what happens when they come instead of just coming together for a few songs and a few little things and going home, you know, there are those gatherings that will be be like that. We just come together just to worship and just to be around each other. But then there's other times when you, they're coming together to strategize for a purpose, for a, a thing that has to happen within our, uh, in their community, within families and so forth. Uh, for example, uh, we recently had a gathering and there have been some tragic incidents that have taken place in our community. And I use that as an opportunity to share that, you know, uh, we always are reactive when we see those things happen. We react that we see a a guy shoots his girlfriend, all right? We react when we see somebody else get killed over here. And we just react to those things, okay? Uh, As part of the ecclesia, The third uh, of the values of the kingdom that I have taught is that the full expression of the Holy Spirit, part of that expression is that he will show you things to come. He might not show you a specific incident, but you'll begin to pick up in the spirit that there's certain things that are brewing in the community, certain things that are happening, and that's where the ecclesia becomes very powerful in the sense that it can circumvent some of those things and begin to pray over those things and begin to get strategies from the king as to how to deal with those things, uh, even before they ever happen, or maybe even keeping them from happening, uh, mm-hmm. simply because you were there to 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 take watch over what is happening in a in a, in a community, what is happening in a neighborhood, what is happening in families. Uh, I recently got a call from a, uh, about a gentleman who's being released from incarceration, and it was because he had taking someone else's life. And there's already brewings of the uh, affected families, you know. And so I'm praying, you know, hey, look, let's deal with this, you know. Let's begin to pray before anything takes place. The Lord would allow me to get that information, not to say that, oh, I know about this going down. But no, now I have an opportunity now to go before the throne of grace, to find mercy and grace to help to make sure that nothing happens as a result of that of whatever is about to take uh, coming as a result of him being released. That's where I think the Ecclesia will have such a uh, influence uh, in the in the in the in the communities, in the families, in schools, in business, and everywhere. Uh, I'm gonna say this, and I'll, I'll be quiet. Uh, the other night we had a prayer session, and and in that prayer. Uh, my, my internet connection was kind of spotty in that particular night, I was like actually in my car and I was listening to the prayer. And as I pulled up in my driveway, uh, it was an opening for me to pray and I prayed and the Lord immediately began to get have me pray over our community and the hidden agendas that are mm-hmm. behind the scenes and things, that people are doing things for uh, self-serving uh, against other parts of the community. And that's what I prayed. And I began to uh, deal with that very specifically in that prayer. 7.30 the next morning, there was a meeting that I was a part of, and there were governmental officials there who began to open their mouth. Not only were they uh, trying to hide the agenda, but they were speaking in such a way that they literally were contradicting themselves. Uh, They'd say one thing and then have to contradict themselves because they were trying not to expose what was really going on behind the scenes. I'm saying that because we're in a position to begin to intervene in those situations, and we can't count our authority short that God will use us to impact uh, our our region in such powerful ways that the, the, they won't have any clue as to what's happening other than the fact that we know that God is King and His will is being established.
1: Thank you for joining our Fireside Talk about the Kingdom. My name is Frederick Tobin, and I hope this podcast has been a blessing to you. If you'd like to continue to receive fresh insight into the kingdom, click the notification bell to follow us. For further information about the kingdom, visit our website www.unlockthekingdomwithinyou.com to download your free ebook. See you soon.